So I just came from the mountains, and last week you had Boyd Hamlin here, and he talked to us about meditating, uh, a lot of things, but one of the things is uh, think and do was the name of his sermon, and uh, just talking about, you know, uh, these minds, letting them be uh, focused, and, uh, and so I had a verse that I focused on last week, and that was in John 10.10, and it is this, um, this is what my, I meditated on And it says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that you may have life and have it abundantly. That was my verse uh, for the week. And I thought about that verse a lot. Uh, In fact, the the kids, uh, in the evenings before we ate meals, we did a little devotion. And my devotions were kind of around uh, that thought of what God was just uh, helping me understand. So I thought about that verse a lot while we were in Colorado uh, with all of our family, Lori and I and our kids and Lewis and Carol uh, and Brinkley, um, Micah's girlfriend, uh, were out there. And I just want to remind you, share with you uh, just uh, how wonderful it is to be uh, in Christ. You know, he has given us an amazing life, an abundant life. Um, and I think it's just really important for us to remember that. You know, uh, the mountain of Jesus, which I want to kind of refer to as the abundant life, right? The mountain of Jesus uh, is amazing, but it, it still costs. You know, for some people, it, it costs a lot. Uh, it costs them their freedom. Uh, for some people, to be on the mountain of Jesus, it costs them their very lives, But I have never read about, nor have I ever heard personally from anybody that has been on the mountain of Jesus, and it cost them something greatly, and they say, well, that wasn't worth it. (laughs) That wasn't worth the experience or whatever. I've only heard the opposite, and and that is that um, I would not want to be any other other mountain besides on the mountain of Jesus uh, because his life is abundant. There's nothing better uh, than Jesus so here are three takeaways from, that I took off of the mountain, uh, and I want to uh, bring them back and share with you. And my first takeaway is this, as I was meditating on John 10.10, 10, right, the abundant life that Jesus brings. And that is, life in Jesus can only be experienced intentionally. You, you can't accidentally experience this abundant life. You have to intentionally uh, uh, experience it because you intentionally decide to be on the Jesus mountain, right? Um, you don't get off of that, that lift up in the mountains with your snowboard or your skis and, and say, uh, how did I get here? Actually, you do do that. Um, in fact, I would say that anybody that's ever been on a lift for the first time, they're like, what am I doing? You know, and, and you're trying to figure out how to get off the lift and you know you're going to crash and burn, and it's going to be embarrassing, and everybody's going to be watching you. And, and probably you do ask that, right? Um, what am I doing? But the answer to that is, well, you were crazy enough to get on this thing, right? Uh, and it's the same way with our relationship with Jesus. It's not like it was accidental, you know, like it's, it's a, a dream or something. You intentionally embarked on a relationship with Jesus. So you intentionally got on it. You might be asking yourself, boy, was this a good idea or not at the beginning? Um, but I think we always 
walk away thinking it was an amazing, uh, great idea. And so it has to be the, the Jesus mountain, the, the abundant life, is only experienced intentionally because you want to. And here's, here's some things that it requires. One thing it requires is that it requires a desire. You have to desire it. You know, um, some don't make it to the mountain because why? Because they don't want to be on the mountain, right? They don't want to experience it. Um, but I'm just going to tell you, uh, those people that don't want to try and don't want to experience it, they're missing out. I've been there many times. I've taken many people. And I just think that there's something worthwhile to experience uh, because the, the mountain is fun. It's exciting. You know, it's, there's some fulfillment there. Um, you, you know, it's just, it's just a great thing. Now, is it scary? Absolutely. I've been scared a lot on the mountain. It, does it have suffering involved? Oh, my goodness. Just ask any of the kids that learned to snowboard this year uh, if it was uh, painful. They couldn't hardly get out of bed the first day, right? Um, and it's the same way with Jesus. You know, when you experience Jesus, it's not like it's just going to be all fun, excitement, and, and glorious and fulfilling. It will be scary, and there will be some suffering involved. And for some people, it'll be a lot of suffering. But it still is amazing. It's, it's an amazing ride. Um, it's an amazing thing. Jesus' mountain is 100 times greater than me comparing it to something in Colorado. Okay, so... Just remember that. I mean, it, it, he really does have the key to abundant life. And many have missed out over the years because they just chose not to. I mean, I just don't, I don't want to do that. And now it's too late for them. They never get a chance. And there's many in our, that are living right now that are missing out on it. Um, and that's just a heartbreaking thing. Maybe they're afraid. I don't know you know, to try. Um, but uh, I want us to look at the context. So in John 10.10, 10, the heading there is, I am the good shepherd, right? Um, but what, what led up to his discussion about him being a good shepherd? What led up to his, his, his saying these words that I come to give life and life to the full, abundant life? Um, well, in John chapter 9, Jesus comes across this blind man. You know, this man who, who physically could not see a thing. And I can't even imagine. I had a conversation with, with some people just recently about um, what a terrible thing it would be to lose our sentences. I don't want to lose any of them. I like them all. Uh, but, but losing sight would be just really a horrible thing. The things that you would miss out on and just being able to navigate through. And this man was you know, born blind, and he did not have any sight. And Jesus comes along, and he restores his sight. But again, it was because he had a desire, right? He intentionally wanted to be in a relationship with Jesus in this sense, that he believed that Jesus could help him. And, uh, and so he restores this man's uh, physical sight. But more than that, he gave him a spiritual sight for the first time. You know, there was people around them that never had this sight. They should have, but they didn't. You know, some people just, it just reminds me that not everyone wants to step uh, foot on the Jesus mountain. Not everybody will. 
Uh, some people just choose to try to figure out a good life without it, without Jesus. You know, I'll just settle for something less, but it's something that, you know, that I just would rather have. And that's why it says in John chapter 9, verse 4, the Pharisees told this, this man who was just experienced the, the hand of Jesus on his life. He just was restored his sight, his physical sight, and he gave him this spiritual sight, this awakening that was amazing. And this is what the Pharisees, who did not want even to be on the mountain, said. He says, give glory to God, which obviously is, should be true. But then listen to what he says. Then they said, we know that this man, talking about Jesus, is a sinner. But I want you to look down in verse 38 of chapter 9. And the man who received his sight, he says this, Lord, I believe. And it says he worshipped him. One of the reasons that we go to the mountain, you know, uh, we haven't done it a long time, and I'll talk to you about that here in a minute, but, uh, uh, but one of the reasons we go to the mountain is to ski, and the reason we ski is because we think it's fun and enjoyable, you know, and it's a, it's a family thing that I just love to do. Uh, many of you that are watching online, maybe some of you that are here today have never experienced that, and maybe some of you um, have no interest in it. And if you have no interest in it, no matter what I tell you about my experience, no matter how many videos or pictures I show you, you're still going to say, you know what, I don't want, I'm not interested. And, and I'm not going to be able to talk you into it. And that's just the way that is. You know, that's the same way it is with Jesus. If somebody has decided that they just don't want Jesus, it's really hard to get through to them that they need Jesus and that they're missing out on something. Because it takes what? First, it requires a desire. You've got to want it. If you, if you want the life that Jesus can give, then you have to have a desire, um, and that's required. Um, so once we were blind, but now what? Now we can see. There's a great song about that, and there's a great verse here in chapter 9 about that. Um, you know, that is it. You know, life in Jesus can only be experienced intentionally, and it requires a desire. Here's another thing it requires. It requires investment. Making it to the mountain, let me tell you, it costs you something. You know, uh, it costs you something. Making it, you know, my kids, all as they were getting prepared, you know, Carrie and Cole were getting prepared because before you even head that way, it's good to go ahead, especially in today's life with all the corona stuff, they encourage you to take care of everything online, you know, before you even get there, because they want the least amount of connection with you as they can get, right? And so they, my kids are starting to purchase their lift tickets and purchase their equipment, and so I would hear from like, Carrie, man, Dad, this stuff is so expensive, you know, and Mike was taking care of his and uh, he's, he's got a job now, and so he's, like, more than willing to blow some of his money. So I didn't hear, really hear too much about him. But Andrew, you know, he was taking care of his. He's like, man, I don't know if I want to ski two days, three days. I think, man, that's expensive. And we haven't been for seven years. And I just told the kids, you know why we haven't been for, like, seven years? Because it's expensive, Right. Uh, but I only, man, I tell you what, it was awesome this year. I, I only was responsible for three of us. 
I was just like, man, this is, I can afford this now. This is awesome. Um, but it does, it costs. You know, Jesus says the same thing about a relationship with him, that it's going to cost us. In fact, he says that if you keep your life, meaning that you, you, you don't spend it for me, you don't, you don't do what it costs to be on the mountain of Jesus, right, the abundant life. If you keep your life, you will lose it, is what he says. But if you lose your life for me, you'll find it. That's exactly what I found, right? And I bet you that's what you found, too, the reason that you're here today. And watching online today is because you have discovered what he is saying is true. That I give him my life and I just get more. I get a, a, more, a better life and a more richer life and, and, and a greater life. And I have eternal life to look forward to. And I, I just think that, the, that we just have to understand that there is a cost to it. Jesus was always counting, telling us to count the cost, right? There were so many parables about this that you, you should, if you want to embark a relationship with me, you just have to realize it's going to cost you dearly. It requires commitment. All in are not allowed in. That's really what it amounts to. Either give me your life or keep your life. But you can't keep your life and, and expect to be in. There's no entrance that way. You know, at Granby Ranch, which is where we went, it, it requires some things. It required a lift ticket, which, which required money, right? It, it required equipment, which required money. But you know what other thing it required when we were at Granby Ranch? It required one of these things. Don't have it, you don't get in. And, and you know, I know that uh, that that would have been like a little bit of a trial for some of us, right? Because it's hard for us to go to Orsland's or any other place that has, I don't even know if they have it actually. If they, <laughs> But some places have, you know, like the thing on the window, no mask, mask required, no entrance if you don't wear it. And we still don't want to wear it, right? Uh, and of course, I'll never understand that completely, but it doesn't matter. But I just want you to know that if you went to Granby Ranch, and you decide not to wear a face covering, you wouldn't even make it to the bunny slope. They just wouldn't let you in. They'd just be like, you know what? You either wear it or we're going to ask you to leave. And I don't know what they would do if you just said, I'm not leaving. I know you wouldn't get on the lift. Uh, they'd just shut her down until something happened, I know. But because I saw it over and over, and they were very insistent upon the mask wearing there. You know, Jesus requires some things. And just like masks are required if you wanted to get on the lift at Granby Ranch. Jesus requires a surrendered heart, right? He just requires it. If you, if you want to rebel and you don't want to yield to his authority, then he's just like, well, okay, that's your decision. I'm letting you make that decision, but don't think that you're going to get the abundant life. Don't think you're going to get on my mountain, is the way that he addresses this. You know that Jesus is the ticket, right? He, he, you have to have a lift ticket before. I mean, they scan it every time. And, and you have to, it has to pass before you get on. Well, Jesus is the lift ticket to eternal life. He is the only way. That's why it says in John fourteen four. it says, And you know the way where I am going. And Thomas is like, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And that's when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Basically, he was just saying, Thomas, you have a ticket, and you're going to be allowed to get on. 
And we just have to understand that we cannot have the abundant life without having Jesus Christ. There's just no other way on this mountain. And some people will say, well, I'll just go to a different mountain. You know, a mountain that doesn't require this or that. You know, a mountain I can live the way I want to and do what I want to and live under my authority or, or at least live under a different uh, set of requirements than what Jesus requires. And yeah, there's a lot of mountains, right? They're all over the place. There's mountains of pleasure and mountains of uh, money and contentment. You know, not contentment, but uh, other things that we think bring contentment. But there's all kinds of mountains, but it's not Jesus' mountain. And you won't experience the same thing. And we wonder why sometimes, why this has not worked out. Because, you know, religion in itself can be a whole other mountain. And it's not going to be fulfilling. Because it's not the Jesus mountain. And I think sometimes people go to church and they come to a religious group and they are looking for the abundant life and they don't find it and the reason is is because they never really yielded to Jesus and his requirements you know one of the things about this is is we look in the scripture in John 10 and like I said at the beginning it's it's um, uh, titled the good shepherd and and one of the things about this is Jesus is just gathering sheep right who is going to be on my mountain Who's going to have the abundant life? And he was wanting the Pharisees to be there. Here's the second thing, my takeaway from life on the mountain. So life in Jesus, the abundant life that he's talking about here, it can only be experienced intentionally, right? And here's the second thing is life in Jesus wasn't meant to be lived on the bunny slope. I thought a lot about that because that's where a lot of us started, you know, day one, Right. Uh, Cole and Jeremiah and Brinkley, they all wanted to snowboard. Micah has been snowboarding for quite some time, so he was going to be the coach, the instructor. And, uh, uh, and so these other three, they started there on the bunny slope. And, um, you know, it just made me think that you can't, that's just like life, right? You don't, you don't, you're not born to run, I mean, just like you don't, you're not born and then all of a sudden you're just walking around or running around. You have to do this in stages. You have to learn to crawl before you can walk. And you've got to learn to walk before you can run. And, and it's, a, it's just the way life is. And so the, if you've ever been skiing or snowboarding before in your life, let me tell you, if they, if they put you on those and they took you straight up that gigantic mountain, it would terrify you even more than the bunny slope. And let me, the, the bunny slope can be a little intimidating if you've never skied before. But it's nothing compared to the mountain, right? And there's a reason that there's such a thing as the bunny slope, right? It's for practice. It's for, it's for getting acquainted with your equipment and, and this new life that you have. And, and everybody has it. It's, it's like the nursery, I suppose. I don't know what it is, but it's just... It's, it's for a purpose, and, but it's not the uh, in all. You know, it's not the, you don't go out there saying, man, I am not leaving the bunny slope. That's all I want. Give me 10 days of that, you know, or I don't, 10 days you'd die, I think, but uh, if you're just starting out. But anyway, 
But I, seriously, I, I, that's, that's not the objective. The objective is to make it to the mountain, right? And I think that that's the same way it is with Jesus. You know, it's never, you don't make fun of people on the bunny slope, by the way. Even if you have been skiing all your life, you don't go out there and just, oh, look at that guy, he's falling down, he can't do anything. You don't, I've never heard anybody do that. You know, because people know that that's where you start. That's just how you get acquainted, you know, and you, you, you get your spiritual muscles, so to speak. Um, unless it's been like their seventh trip, you know, and they're still on the bunny slope. Then, I don't know, maybe you make fun of them then. Maybe you're just like, what's the deal? I mean, what's going on here? Um, because something would be lacking. Because the bunny slope isn't meant for you to live there. You know, the whole point of it is to make it to the mountain. And sometimes I think we can forget what the purpose is if we're not careful spiritually. Paul really struggled with this. He, he was saying that sometimes we don't make it off the bunny slope because we're focusing on the wrong things. And you have to focus on the right things. You have to focus on your work, right? Like your job. You can't, you can't be focusing on, you got to be focused on like your shortcomings. Like what is it that I need to figure out here instead of trying to figure out what somebody else is doing over here. If you're just focused on them, you're not going to, unless they are your instructor and you're trying to mimic them, you know, just like what Paul says, um, imitate me as I imitate God, right? And so if you're imitating somebody, that's different. But if you're just focused on somebody else's shortcomings, that's not going to help you. You've got to focus on yourself. In fact, it could discourage you if they're really good, right? It could just be like, man, I don't even want to try anymore. And, and you've got to focus on your gifts, not on other people's. You've you got to focus on your duty, not others, and what other people should be doing or not doing. And I think that's the same way spiritually. Paul, this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting verse 1. He says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. In other words, just like I was saying, there's, there's a point for the bunny slope, right? There's a point for when you feed people milk because they're babies. But listen to what he says, And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while, you, while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way. And so Paul is just trying to help them understand you should not still be on the bunny slope. You should be maturing. You should be, stop getting, you know, stirring up trouble among yourselves and, and getting jealous and, and focusing on other people's shortcomings and, and what other people should be doing. You should be focusing on you and what it is that God has called you to do. And so the, he just talks about this whole thing where people were just bragging about who baptized them. And, you know, I was baptized by Apollos. Oh, I was baptized by Paul. I'm more important than you. And there was just all of this pettiness, this immaturity that was going on. And Paul was just like, man, guys, did you lose sight of what we're doing here? We're supposed to be heading to the mountain where the abundant life is. Not to be caught up on this bunny slope forever. 
Grow up, is what he was saying. It's time. So I think sometimes we can stay on the bunny slope too long because we're, we lack a focus of what we really came here to do. Sometimes I think we can lack it because of, you know, we, we just become too content on the bunny slope. I've seen that out there in Colorado too, right? Where people are like, man, I got this down pretty good. I don't, wanna, I don't want to uh, go to the big hill because, man, I might not make it off that, you know, that lift or I might not make it all the way down. And so they're just timid and they're more content over here. Sometimes they just lack courage is another reason. If you, if you want to get off the bunny slope, at some point you just got to, you know, decide that you're going to have enough courage to go to the mountain. Courage to get off the bunny slope. And the more courage you have, the faster you get off, right? Cole was the first one up, but I guarantee he was determined. I mean, he, he would have wanted to try to even just skip the bunny slope because he wanted the mountain. And he definitely wanted to be the first one off the bunny slope and on the mountain, and he was. Uh, not sure he thought that after he went down that first time if he was quite ready to get off the bunny slope. Um, but, uh, but he did because he had this, this determination, and this determination was, came from just the sense that he had courage. Um, it was always funny to watch Cole because every time he'd fall, and he fell many, many times. But, I mean, as soon as he would wipe out, he was up, back up on his feet as fast as he could. Now, Jeremiah, man, when he crashed, he just lay there and like, oh, <laughs> and he just want to lay there for a little bit. But Cole was back up on his feet so fast. You know, Jesus wants us to know how great it is to be on the mountain. He wants us to experience the abundant life. And, and to be real, realistic, you know, the only way to experience it is to have some courage. You know, you just got to be able to step out. You've you got to trust him that he has you. Um, and, and you just have to do, be willing to do daring things. And, and I just want to encourage you online. I want to encourage you guys here that I don't know what God's doing in your life right now, but it'd be my guess he's trying to stretch you in some way. You know, he's trying to get you to the mountain if you're on the bunny slope. He's trying to um, get you to try something a little more daring while you're on the mountain, maybe. And maybe what it is, is maybe he just wants you to go to work and he just wants you to tell somebody about him. You know, whether it's to invite them to church, maybe that's the first step, or maybe it's to sit down and actually have a conversation with them about, you know, this abundant life that you can have in Jesus. Maybe he is encouraging you to, you know, start a group. Stand up for Jesus, right? I mean, when you're at work and you have all of this, these people that talk so bad about Christ, for, for you to, in a kind, loving way, not in a hateful or, or a way that pushes even further away, but just in a way that, that you know that you are standing up for your faith and up for your Jesus in a loving way. Uh, maybe it's time for you to do that. Maybe you, are, maybe you do need to start a group for Jesus. You know, a mommy group for Jesus. Maybe that's what he's encouraging some of us to do. Maybe to start a recovery group for Jesus, a small group for Jesus, a prayer group for Jesus. I don't know. But I do know this, that uh, if you feel led to do something for Jesus, then it's time for you to show a little courage and take a leap of faith. And you'll be amazed how much that adds to your abundant life. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief would love for you to stay on the bunny slope. 
A thief would love for you not to really work at even improving while you're on the mountain, to just be content. But he says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And I think it, part of that, having it to the full, is just continue to progress, right? Continue to grow in your faith and, and go a little deeper in your relationship with Jesus as you go along. Here's the last thing, and this will be pretty short, but it is life in Jesus requires confidence. That is a takeaway from the mountain, right? As I'm looking and thinking about this verse all uh, three days we're out there, is just, you know, he, he wants us to have this abundant life. And an abundant life comes, like I said, in this progression, but it comes with confidence as it continues to build in us. Cole, Jeremiah, and Brinkley, they all snowboard for the first time, as I was just talking about. Stayed on the bunny slope for the first day for the most part. Cole got off of it there at the beginning, I mean, at the end of, of uh, the day. Um, the beginning of the second day, Brinkley and Jeremiah went back to the bunny slope just to kind of get a feel. You could just tell that, I mean, they're, now they're coming down the bunny slope without falling. And, you know, and so it's just, you could just see the confidence in them. And, of course, that confidence just went, it, 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 it fueled them to go get on the big, the big lift to go to the big mountain. And that was just a really cool thing. And, and so then you started videoing them as they're carefully under control, making it down the, the big mountain. And you could just tell the confidence was, was building. You know, Cole was getting to where he was just going, you know, in these, these um, uh, S's all the way down, back and forth, because he was figuring out how to stay on his toes and on his heels and, and kind of doing a little bit more uh, like Micah. Uh, there was, you know, just a lot more to go, but still it was just such an improvement, such confidence that was being built there, and it was really kind of cool to see. And, and I think that that just got my attention, you know, really flowing as I was skiing, just thinking about how important confidence is in our relationship with Jesus. Because it, it, it plays such an important part of us having the abundant life. It leads to bigger experiences. You know, the more confident that we we become in our relationship with Jesus, it, the, the bigger experiences that we are led to, the more joy that is able to be accomplished. You know, I don't know if you ever watched anybody just snowboard and they're really good at it. You just know that you're still missing out on something. Even if you can snowboard and get down a mountain without falling, you, you watch them and how good they are at it, and you just know you're still missing something. You know, like there's still some joy to be had in this game, Right? Um, if I could be like them and have the confidence they have and be able to do the things that they do, uh, there would just be more to it. And I, I just believe that's the same way it is with Jesus. Here's the difference, though, and where the analogy really runs away is the confidence that they have to build out there in Colorado to ski is confidence in their own ability, right? The confidence that we need on the Jesus mountain is confidence in Jesus, and that's, it has to be built, but it's just, in, it's just in a different location. And that is that we're putting our confidence in him. Sometimes that's even harder, isn't it? How many of you like to drive instead of be the passenger? It's because you want to be in control, right? You know, you, you want, you, you, it's easier to be, put your confidence in yourself than it is to put your confidence in somebody else. 
But Jesus has called us to trust him. It's amazing how far we can go and how much we can accomplish the more confidence we give Jesus. Think of the difference confidence played in just David's achievements here for a minute. When David was a a young lad, just think of how much he accomplished and how far he got to go and, and just the joy that he experienced and people around him experienced. I want to read to you just some scripture real quick and then we're closing. And that's 1 Samuel 17. And this is where Saul and, and the Israelite army was against the Philistines and they were on the other side, right, uh, with Goliath and his whole bunch. And they were just mocking the Israelites and just calling them, you know, a bunch of sissies and, and stuff like this. And let's just pick up there. And this is what it says in, in 1 Samuel 17, verse 8. It says, He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. And this, is, this is Goliath. Why have you come out to draw up, up for battle? Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, or are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine says, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They were terrified, weren't they? I mean, they, they, didn't, they weren't about to volunteer. They didn't know what to do. And then this little boy comes along with sack lunches for his brothers. And, and he's figuring out what's going on in this situation. Like, what, what, you know, why aren't they fighting? He doesn't know why they're not fighting. And when he finds out that they're just afraid. I mean, this little boy, he's just like, why are you afraid? Anyway, verse 32, it says, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when, he, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb for the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defiled the armies of the living God. I don't know. I mean, that just gives me goosebumps sometimes when I read through that. I mean, just... The courage, the bravery, the confidence. And his confidence isn't in himself, right? I mean, he, he was saying, I've struck down this bear. I've struck down these lions. I'd grab them by the beard if they tried to take the flock in. I'd kill them. But make sure you understand why he was able to do that. Verse 30, 
37 tells us, and David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistines. You see, David had this amazing confidence, but it wasn't a confidence in himself. It was a confidence in his God. And he was just a boy, but he had this, this bravery. He, he, could, he could do things on the mountain like nobody else because he just entrusted himself to God. He believed in God. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Pretty sure that Saul didn't think this was going to turn out very well. In verse 43, it says, And the Philistine said to David, so they meet down in the valley, right? Am I a dog that you come with me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the army of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give your dead bodies of the host of the Philistines to this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Oh my goodness, I just love that. You know, one of the things that, that is different also about the mountains in Colorado and the Jesus Mountain is that most of the courage comes from the youth out there, right? I mean, they are on those snowboards, and they're doing things that I, I will never do. I got on the snowboard, because uh, I had done it one other time, and I actually got to the top of the big mountain, snowboard down, you know, and, and, but I remember how painful and how much whiplash I had to underdo, undergo to do that. Well, Cole, the first day after he went up on the big mountain, he was like thinking he was done for the day. And so we switched. I gave him my skis and my ski boots, and I took his boots and his snowboard, and I went to the bunny slope. I just wanted to see if I could still do it. Well, out of six tries, I got down three without falling. Barely. I mean, barely. It was terrifying. So terrifying that the first time I strapped this thing on, I'm going up to the lift for the first time to get on, and I had I'm completely oblivious to the you know how I must appear or whatever. But the the guy that checks your your ticket as you get there, he's just like, "Hey, are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, I think so. I haven't even been up yet." <laughs> And I don't know, I must have had terror written all over my face or something, you know, for him to ask that, are you okay? Uh, he wasn't asking that to anybody else, you know. Um, but anyway, I'm an old guy. You know, I think there's a reason for an old guy to have more fear than the young guy. And that's the reason he don't ask those young guys, you know, are you okay? Um, and, and so I think that that's different. But, you know, in the spiritual life, it's the opposite, or it should be. You know, that's why Paul went in and he says in, uh, let's see, where is that? Second uh, Corinthians 4, I believe. But he says, outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. 
You see, in the Christian life, our confidence should just continue to grow in Jesus. Therefore, we should be experiencing new and bigger and broader things. We should be stepping out more. We should, be, we should never be asked, are you okay in the spiritual life? People should be looking at us as examples and be like, man, I am motivated by this guy. And David just started off amazing. But let me tell you, David had a lot more bigger you know, uh, giants to slay than this one here. This is an amazing story, but he, he had bigger things to do. But he, his confidence just continued to grow and grow. Well, so all I have as far as vehicles these days are things that used to be four-wheel drives and they're not anymore. We're kind of down to one four-wheel drive. We drove at the church this morning. Um, and I don't trust them very much. And uh, so we rented a vehicle uh, to take us out to Colorado this year. Um, and so I went and picked it up in Independence, their enterprise. And when I got there, I was expecting, because I bought the cheapest package for like a little small SUV thing, um, and so when I got there, she says, well, we got two. I'll just let you pick. And so I already kind of was checking them out, you know, when I pulled up. And so I'm just like, I know which one I'm going to pick. And she, she said, I probably, I think I know which one you'll pick, but you, you can decide. So we stepped out there, and she says, here's this one and this one. I said, I'll take the Enclave. Uh, she said, I thought that's what you'd pick. But we got this Buick uh, Enclave. It was a 2020. And let me tell you, for me who, who owns I mean, I don't, I don't pay bills on my cars. Uh, the way I look at it is if you can't pay cash, it's probably too much for you, right? Uh, but it, it obviously, that's why I'm renting a vehicle to go to Colorado, uh, because I don't trust any of my vehicles to go take me out of town very far. But it just also reminded me of this abundant life, because Jesus, what he does is he upgrades you. It's not like you don't get to live. And it's not like you can't find something, you know, to get you from point A to point B, and you'll get through this life. But let me tell you, you won't get through it in the same way without Jesus. Jesus is like the upgrade model. And, and, and I, had, I drove probably, what, 80% of the trip, I suppose. And so I appreciated the upgrade model very much. I also appreciated because if I broke down... You think Lori's going to crawl underneath the car and try to figure out what was going on with our old piece of junks? Uh, no, that would be me. So I appreciated the upgrade model is what I'm trying to get to, right? How much more so I appreciate being in Jesus. Going through this life, I know without Jesus, I would still go through this life, but not in the same way. He is just so much better. He takes good and makes it better. He takes full and makes it fuller. And he is awesome. Let me pray. Father God, we uh, thank you so much that we have Jesus. And thank you for letting us talk about him today in this way. Just to be reminded of the life that we have in Christ and how he makes it so much richer. Father, I, th- I thank you obviously, for the eternal life. But today we just talked about just the life we are living here right now. 
and how much better it is because of Jesus. It is such a blessing to be in him. And I just pray, Father, that if there's anybody watching today that has not experienced this, or maybe they were trying to experience it on a different mountain with some type of substitute of some sort, I just pray, Father, that you would move in their life right now, that we would just help them understand that it can only be achieved by surrendering their lives to Jesus. Father, help them through your spirit to know that Jesus is the way, the only way to the abundant life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to take you to John chapter 15 as we get ready for communion. And I just want to say to those of you who are here, happy Valentine's Day. And to you that are online as well. Today is Valentine's Day, so I want to kind of change gears a little bit uh, as we're looking into communion because of that. I want to read you this verse. There are so many verses to go to that just talks about God's love for us, right? Um, but I love this verse because it, com- it, it combines the two. Our love for each other and for one another and his love for us. And so in John chapter 15, verse 12, it says this. This is my command. This is Jesus talking. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I just want to pause for a moment and just like make a comment here. That's why when we come to communion, uh, that we come humbly, you know, we come with a sincerity uh, of heart, uh, why we come, you know, uh, very reflective uh, internally about our, our own actions, about our own motives and attitudes and things like this. The Bible always has instructed us to search our hearts when we come to this. And, and, and why do we do that? Is because we want to be the friend of Jesus, right? And what does Jesus say there? He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. And, and so it's like, a, it's like a, a serious thing to just pause for a moment and say, okay, uh, am I doing what Jesus commands? Am I, am I trying to be a friend to Jesus, you know, and have this relationship with Jesus? And so there just is this, this seriousness about what we come here to do. In verse 15, it says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, Jesus says, but I chose you. Man, it, I don't even know how to really dive into this, but it, it is, it's, it's really a, an awesome thing to be chosen. I was listening to this woman on TV, or TV, radio, as I was doing chores around yesterday, and, and she was just talking about when she met who was going to be her husband, right? When she met him, he, he, was, he started off saying, you know what, um, 
I just have to tell you, I find you very attractive, and, um, and I want to build a relationship with you. And then right after that, he, he was telling her that he, you know, he's got a kidney that's failing, and he's going to have to eventually, you know, he has this, this bag that he has to carry around, a vial, and all this, you know, this, this stuff. And, and she says, you know, um, uh, I just couldn't get over the first part when he says that, that I find you very attractive. And anyway, she said it way better than I did. But the point is, is that she, she felt wanted. And that felt so good to her. And that's the way it should be when we come to around the table, is for us to feel wanted, to feel chosen. Like God chose us to be here and participate in this way. And appointed, so he... He does this, and there's a lot of verses that talk about this, like 1 John 4.19, it says, We love because he first loved us, right? Like, that's, that's why we love. That's our motivation for loving, is, and that's what this verse is expressing as well. Or in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, it says that, For the love of Christ compels us. It's what pushes us, it motivates us right? Um, and so that's what he's talking about. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go, to bear, go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So, as we come around the table, I just want to encourage you to love one another today. It's Valentine's Day. But not just because it's Valentine's Day. And, and I want to encourage you to love, you know, your spouse today. But not because your spouse gives you a good reason to love them today. Or even if your spouse doesn't give you a very good reason to love them today. I want you to love them. And I want you to love your kids, you know. I want you to really take a moment and show your kids how much you love them. Not because they fulfill you in some way or give you good reason to love them, even if they don't, to love them. And I, don't, I want you to do this not because of them. I want you to do it because you come around this table today. Because you're a friend of Jesus. Because he loves you so much, he has asked you and instructed you to love one another as I have loved you. So let this be our motivation on this Valentine's Day to love no matter what, whomever we come in contact with, and express it because we've been around the table of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you that we get to be around this table. We thank you, Father, that you have helped us understand mentally through your word what he did on our behalf so that we could love, could be compelled, could be motivated to love everyone around us. So, Father, as we seek our hearts and we look into our motives and 
and we humble ourselves because, Father, what we want is to be the friend of Jesus who was willing to give up his life for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.